What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. Uh, happy Sunday to you. It's going to be amazing. Like, I know God is doing incredible things, and I'm excited about today. Like, today is going to be powerful. Uh, we've already had an incredible time of worship and feeling the Holy Spirit and feeling His presence. And so don't just let that push aside. Don't let that fade, uh, because we're going to be diving into God's Word, and that's when it really it, God speaks to us and He communicates. And so right now, if you have ever wanted to hear God speak to you, it's going to happen. Like, He's going to communicate to you very, very clearly. I'm believing that as we wrap up this series in 1 John, that, the, that God has something specific for every single one of you. And so you need to let this saturate your soul. Let it saturate your mind and your heart and all that you are. Okay, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the 1 John. Uh, we've been covering different things, different chapters over the course of the last few weeks. Today, we're going to be hitting on different spots in, in uh, chapter 4 and 5. Uh, we're going to be focusing on the aspect of confidence. But before I get rolling into the, the message for this week, I wanted to share just something with you about our next series. So if you've come to Grace Church for more than once, you know and, and you've kind of realized that we are very intentional about what we do here at church uh, and how we do it and, you know, the worship and the hospitality and our kids ministry and the messages and the series. We put a lot of time and effort to make sure that they're done really, really well. And so one of the things that you need to know about our culture, about our society in this area is generally what happens is there are certain peaks and times throughout the year when people come to church most frequently. Christmas, Easter, and August. The beginning of August is another peak season for people to come back to church because what happens, you wrap up summer, vacations are done, families are going, getting ready to go back to school, and we get back in our routine to go back to church. So next week will be like a highly attended Sunday. And so what we do as a church is we want to do our very best to make sure that we're putting forth our best effort, best time, best, best message. So we have prepared a whole entire series for the month of August that's going to rock your socks off. Uh, I promise you that. Like, I, I know I make big promises. I'm excited about every single Sunday because I love what I do. But here's the deal. If you had ever thought about bringing a friend, a, a family member, a colleague, the person in the cubicle next to you, you know, that 20-something that you see kind of wandering around at work, or here's the deal. Next week is the week. And if they can't make it next week, then it's the week after, okay? And I get it. Like, I understand is there, there's not every single Sunday they're going to be able to make it, but... If there were ever a time that you would bring somebody with you, just look them in the eye and say, you need to come with me and I'll be with you. We'll have coffee and donuts together. I'll sit right next to you and it'll be okay. And, and so here's the deal. I'm telling you, like I don't make big promises and then not deliver. I know for a fact God is going to show up big time. We're going to do a series called Sons and Daughters. And so in this generation right now, a lot of people are struggling with what it is to understand God as father and to be a son or a daughter. And we're going to uncover that and unpack that in a big way. And some some of you are going, I struggle with that. Here, It's going to be powerful. It's going to be so significant. So August is the time uh, to bring somebody with you and let them hang out with us for, for just a bit and just see what God might do. Uh, and so we're super excited about that. And so today, as we wrap up Love and Light, I'm going to be talking about confidence, uh, confidence in who we are. And because, you, you know, when you talk about confidence, right, it, it's you, you, you know, like you know something, you just have this certainty about what's going to happen. You have confidence in who you are. You have confidence in Christ. I remember a, a time in my life uh, when I really struggled with confidence, uh, and it was from when 
I was about nine years old till about 14 years old uh, because I had one front tooth. Uh, the other one hadn't come in yet. I had a, a little bone chip that was up there that was preventing the, the tooth from coming down. And so can you imagine being a, a child in elementary school and then a preteen and then even a young teenager and you've got one front tooth and they call you the toothless wonder? Like that's going to build your confidence, isn't it? As an eighth grader, the toothless wonder, I'm going, oh, like it was so hard. It was a challenge, you know, and just so when we think about confidence, right, and, and who we are and who God has made us, I mean, today is not going to be some kind of self-help talk about to, to make you a confident person. Uh, that's not what, what this is. This is not self-help. Today is all about confidence in Christ and who he has made us and who he is. And so it's because we need to know, everybody say, the word no. No. I mean, K-N-O-W. We need to know who we are in him. And so how do we take Christ's confidence with us everywhere we go, every single place. And so, you know, we've been diving into 1 John, and, and I love just book series and, and studies. And, and so just to give you a little bit of a context, uh, if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, I mean, John needed to write First and Second, Third John because what was happening is Christians were falling away. Uh, Christians were, were being persuaded by heresies. They were being pulled in different directions. They were being pulled by different beliefs. And because they had lost their confidence in Jesus. You know, is Jesus really God's son? Is he really who he says he is? I know you're saying that. And so John, you know, basically says, he's like, look, I followed Jesus. I was with him. I was there when he was crucified. I was there when he rose from the dead. He is God's son. And so when you look at our society and our world, I mean, right now we live in a community that is struggling with confidence a little bit, right? There's even a confidence crisis where people are questioning who God is. People are turning away from Christ and they're, and they're saying, hey, you know, I don't really need to believe in that. I can kind of do whatever makes me feel good or do what is right, what, what I think is right. And so people are walking away from the truth the reality of who Christ is as his son. And maybe that's part of your story. Maybe that's why you're here today. You're checking it out. You're trying to see, all right, um, is this real? And, and so what happens is when people look away from Christ or aren't reliant upon him, what happens is they experience pain and frustration and fear, and they have no answer for it. For those of us that are in Christ, we've got an answer. We have a savior. We have one that we can look to and pray to. But those who don't yet know Christ where do they look? To themselves, to their possessions, to somebody else. And so let's take a look at 1 John, starting in chapter 5 in verse 13. Here's what he says. He says, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And so there's that aspect of confidence, right? When we have confidence in something, we're, we're willing to be bold. We're willing to have faith. We're, we're, we're unhindered in any way. We're, we're willing to take steps forward. It's because we know, right? We know who we are in Christ. And, and when you think about people that, that struggle sometimes with confidence, it's often, you know, insecurities will creep in. And, and I've found that in my life and many others that insecurities will be crippling. Uh, it'll paralyze us from advancing forward and from taking steps. And, and so when people, uh, you know, some, when sometimes people even display this, this uh, arrogance or, or aspect of pride, really what they're doing is they're trying to boost themselves up because 
The insecurities are so crippling. They're trying to overcompensate. They're trying to convince themselves or they're trying to convince somebody else that I can do it. Like I have to, you know, and, and really what happens is that they're overcompensating for some type of anxiety that they're dealing with. And so it comes out in the form of pride or insecurity because why? We do this all the time. Why does that happen? It's because we look to ourselves. We're looking at our own abilities. We're looking at our own insufficiencies, right? The things that we can't do, that we're not smart enough, we're not capable. We have so many inadequacies and we're focused on those instead of what? Focused on knowing who Jesus is and experiencing that. And so sometimes we just, we don't know, right? And we're struggling. And so we need to know Christ and who he is, and because Jesus is the one who gave us the ability to overcome anything in our life. I mean, think about this. Jesus gives us the ability to overcome every single obstacle that we could ever face. So the sins that, 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 that we face, that we commit, the things that we say, think, feel, you know, express, we go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And we ask for forgiveness and Christ helps us to overcome those, right? The fear that we experience in our, in our decisions, the doubt, depression, When we feel down, Christ is the one who gives us the victory over those things. And so that's amazing and incredible. And sometimes we encounter people that are so beat down that they've lost hope. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at today. You've lost so much hope. And so today is all about you gaining some confidence in Christ and who he is and who he's made you to be because he can and he will deliver you. And so I've, I'm believing that today can be like, it can change the trajectory of your life, how you see Christ and how you see yourself. And so let me just ask you on, on a scale of one to 10, where would you rank yourself as far as confidence in Christ? Do you have it? Are you going, I'm not a one, I'm a zero. Like I, I mean, do we have confidence in Christ? And so maybe you do, maybe you'd say, oh, a little bit, maybe a three and a half, or maybe you're seven and a half. And, uh, you know, and, and so here's the deal. Like we know, we understand that we need to have that. That's why we're here. We're either curious about it or we want to grow. And so I want to encourage you, how are we going to build and grow our confidence in Christ? And so there's three things that I want to focus on that John gives to us in his, in his book. And the first thing is that we need to know that God loves you first. And this comes from chapter 4, verse 10. It says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take our sins away. And so God is the giver of love. You know, we, we enjoy love. We, we know what love is. We love to feel it, but God is the giver of love. And so we have, we have some type of response to God's love. When he pours out his love to us and for us, we have some type of response. What are we gonna do? Are we gonna push it aside? Or are we gonna lean in a little bit and, and need more? So everything that we do is a response to God's love for us. I mean, think about it. You know, when we worship, if we sing songs, the, the things that we give our attention to, if we worship God, we worship him because who he is. He is God. He's the one. He's the one true living God. And, and we, we worship him because of what he's done in our life, in our story. We look back and we go, oh, it's undeniable what God has done in my life. We, we, we worship God with our finances. Why? Because he first gave to us. He blesses us financially, so we give back. You know, to him, it's an aspect of worship in response from his love for us. And so the thing that's incredible is the order doesn't change. 
I mean, God did it first, right? God gave love first for us. And the thing that I, I just, that's kind of mind-blowing for me is God's love does not have limits. Uh, no limits uh, whatsoever. And, and that whatever it is that we do in our lives, whether it's good or bad, right? Whether we uh, you know, make good decisions that are honoring to him or the ones that we don't, he does not change his love for us. That blows my mind. Like that is absolutely incredible. And so we know this as unconditional love, regardless of the decisions, regardless of, of where you're going or you're headed. This is unconditional love that God gives to us. And this is extremely difficult for us to understand. Why? Because we don't love like that. We're human beings, right? We withhold our love. We have conditional love. And, and, so, and, and that's not God. That's not who he is. I mean, we should have unconditional love, right? Towards him, towards our spouse, towards our friends, towards our roommate, towards you know, the people in our class and at work. And we need to, and we even want to, but we don't. And that's hard. And, and so I, I, this is an area where we can build and grow in Christ's love and, and how we experience it and giving that towards others. Because in, in chapter four and verse eight, he says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so when you look at this, I mean, we know who God is and we get that and and his love. And so we need to know our role in this, right? God knows that we're not perfect. So we know our role. So he is perfect in every way. And then as a result, we respond to his love. And many of us, we've we've heard uh, the different aspects of love. There's different levels, right, of love. There's different types of love that we express in our life, the words, the, the emotions, the feelings. Uh, just a couple of examples. Uh, family. You know, we, we love our family. We say, oh, I love you. And, and sometimes we love them at, at Christmas and Thanksgiving. And we're like, okay, I love you so much, but maybe not for a little while. And so we love, right? But then we have other family members and we're just, oh, oh I love you. I love spending time with you. We're like friends and, and acquaintances. And, and then, I mean, gosh, it's, and we love our friends. Uh, you know, we have friends in our life that we love dearly, and, and we would do just about anything, if not anything, for them. And so that there's a, an aspect of love to that. And then, of course, you get into romantic love. You know, it's a little bit different. You know, you're next to your spouse or your fiance or the, the one that you're hoping, you know, to get on a, on a knee for. And I get it. And so there's romantic love. There's the butterflies, the feeling in your stomach. And, and so there's that passion and desire and longing for them. And that's love. That is another type of love. But there's a, a, a type of love that God shares with us. It's called agape love. And, and that's a Greek word. And what it means is unconditional. Uh, it's so powerful. There's no limits. Like, and this is the God type of love that he feels towards us and that we can have and also express towards others. Even Jesus talks about this where he says, even those that hate you, you can pray for them and bless them. And how do we do that? It is only because of God and his unconditional agape love. And so that's God to know him and, and how he loved us first. And so we can know that. And then the second thing is we need to know that God is listening to us, right? God is listening to us. We need to get this. And we have confidence when somebody's listening to us. So 
I don't know, uh, for those of you that are married, I don't know what your marriage is like, but every once in a while, uh, I struggle in hearing my wife and listening to my wife and, and, and like absorbing what she's saying. And so uh, I said, hey, you know, honey, it's really important for us to hear from God. You know, when was there a time when you felt like I wasn't listening? And she kind of smirked and she's like, every day. And I'm going, come on, girl, like, come on. Like, are you serious? And, she, and I started laughing and we laughed and joked and I I was like, no, 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 I, like, I need an example. And, and so I, I said, not every day, right? And she kind of tilted her head a little bit. And, um, but man, there's, there's times, right? There's times I, I'm going to run an errand, I'm going to go to the grocery store, and she'll say, I need you to get this one thing. And I'm like, I can do it. And I don't. And I don't know why. And it's so hard. Like, I don't get it. And so, I mean, just the grocery store is right around the corner from my house. I don't know what happens, um, but it's just gone. Um, And so many of us believe that God loves us, but we don't believe that God listens to us. We, we We don't think he's hearing us. We go, oh, yeah, God loves me and Jesus, and that's all nice, but he's got so many other things going on. Like, my life's not that bad. I mean, come on, right? I mean, God's got to be busy about dealing with other stuff, and, or maybe you just feel that God doesn't care about you and that you're not that special towards him. And let me share with you chapter 5, verse 15. This is what it says, and since we know, since we know No, we know, we have confidence that he hears us when we make our requests. We also know that he will give us what we ask for. And so he hears us. He hears our requests. He hears our prayer. He hears our prayers of forgiveness, of worship. He hears all those. And so sometimes people will take this verse and and turn it into a little bit of a, I call it name it, claim it theology. This was really big in the 80s where it's like, oh, I get to get everything that I asked for. And, And it's like, well, God knows that I need a Ferrari. And so I'll ask him and he'll give it to me. And so the, uh, to understand the context of this verse, it absolutely is in accordance to his will, in accordance to his timing and his design. And so God is not a genie. Uh, like he didn't come on, you know, he's not an Aladdin. You know, he's not a genie type God, but he's a father, right? He's a father that listens and that hears. And here's the thing that's interesting. We don't want a genie. As much as we think we want a genie, we really don't. We want a father, and a father listens, and a father hears. I mean, how many stories do we have to hear about people that are famous or that are really wealthy, where a person gets and attains and and has every single thing that they could ever want or desire or purchase, but they don't know God, right? They don't know the Lord, and they have all this stuff, And all of a sudden, their life crumbles and it falls into pieces. Why? It's because they don't know the Father. They can have anything that they think their heart desires and longs for, but they are missing the major connection in knowing that there's a Father that hears them and a Savior that laid his life down. And so I just want to encourage us. Sometimes we need to change our thinking uh, regarding the things that we want. It's like, hey, God, give me what I want. It's like, no, 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 no. And so maybe instead of saying, God, give me what I want, maybe we start saying, God, I know that you hear me. God, I know, I have this confidence that you're hearing my cries and and, and the things that I long for and desire. 
because God is responding like a father. I mean, how many times have we encountered a toddler or a child where they want something or they want to do something and it's not good for them? Like we know it's not good for them, and, and, but they don't understand that. They don't get it. It's just they're a child. And so you have to say, man, this, this is important. This is, we, we drink our milk because it's healthy. It's like, I don't want to, but we do that. Like we understand the importance of brushing our teeth. Like, oh, I don't want to. And like, no, 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 you need to. And like, we, they don't understand the importance. And, and I mean, we get this all the time. Like if I were to have a toddler up here and and I put a baby carrot and a baby Snickers, I would not have to tell them what a Snickers bar is. Like they would look at them and within a fraction of a second, they're grabbing the Snickers bar. They're not only eating it, but they're licking their fingers and they'll leave the carrot there. It's like there's something intuitive about us. You know, they might look at the carrot. They might push that thing out off the table. They're like, no, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so how many times do kids not understand the things that are essential for life. How many times? How often are we the same way with God? How often with our Father do we not get the things that are essential? And he says, son, he said, daughter, daughter, why won't you believe the things that are so important that I give to you, that I show to you, that I want you to, to want you to have and, and, and learn. And we're over there kicking and screaming and pouting. And I mean, God is hearing, but he's not giving us everything that we want. And Psalm 145 verse 18, it says, the Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He is close and he's near. And so God loves to hear from us and about us and, and every single detail about our life. And so we need to know that. We need to have confidence in that. And the third thing that we need to know is to know that Christ, that with Christ, you overcome. Uh, I love this aspect. This is so important for us. And so are you confident that Christ has made you a champion? right? He allows us and, and, and gives us the ability to overcome so that we're, we're victorious. Like we're the ones holding the trophy. We're the ones wearing the medal. We're the overcomer. Like we finish well, we win the race. And so we've got to get that. I mean, God is not a passive, frail God. He's not like he kicks butt and he wants us to have the confidence that he can do that. And he does that for us and we can have that in our life. And John says in, in chapter five, verse four, he says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the son of God. And so he gives us this confidence to overcome. And so let me ask you, what's your struggle? What's your battle? What battle line are you facing right now that you're encountering? I know for me, there's different battles that I face. And sometimes when I face them, I get really disappointed. I don't know about you, but I think everything should work out the way that I want it to. And so when things don't happen the way that I want them to, I just, I get disappointed, sometimes too easily. I get disappointed in myself. Why am I disappointed? I get disappointed in situations when they don't turn out how I want. I get discouraged. And every time that I find myself discouraged, I can track back to what's going on 
And it's the fact that I have taken my eyes off of Jesus. Every single time I have looked at the situation, I've looked at myself, I looked at the person or the scenario, and he's like, hey, what about me? And I'm going, ugh, like when am I going to figure this out? And, and so it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And so read these verses and and let them saturate your soul. I mean, don't let this slip by. Don't let this aspect slip by. Don't let it slip through and forget about it, you know, the the rest of this afternoon and tomorrow. Like this has to saturate our soul because God needs to do something inside of you because of what he wants to do through you. Until you get it, he can't help you take the next steps. And so he wants to mold us and shape us into Christ's image. So we can be used uh, by him and the things that he wants to do. And so we can reach our coworkers, the ones that look at you and know that you come to, come to church and go, ah, God stuff, like church, come on, for real? And they look at you as though they, they think they're better because they think you're weak, because you're reliant upon some type of faith to reach those people. We've got to have this connection. It's got to be so real. The family members, the friends, our community, where God has placed us to reach our neighbors. And so we have to have confidence. And here's what I want to encourage you with. We can know. K-N-O-W. We can know. We can have this confidence. I mean, I want to read you a, a few more verses, and I want you to notice how many times John says the word know, like talking about confidence. So this is chapter 5, verse 18. He says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God, and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and that he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. And so this knowing, knowing personally, having confidence, this is knowing Christ. This is the foundation of Christianity. How well do we know him? How, how much confidence do we have in Christ? What, what score did you give yourself on one to 10? Like it, and, I, and it needs to take a step farther. Maybe even just, maybe it gets to a 10. And I don't think that's overly ambitious. I think that's reality of who Christ is and who he can be in us. And maybe, just maybe, we take some steps and we grow and we move in that direction, progressively taking steps to experience him. And so I want to give you hope. I want to give you encouragement. I want you to have confidence in Christ because of who he is. And so if you're here and you don't yet know Christ, this is the confidence that you need. You've been looking everywhere else and searching for other things. It is only because of Christ, because of his life, because of his death and his resurrection, that we can have the confidence that I'm talking about. And we need that. It's hugely important. And so maybe today's the day when you make a commitment to follow Jesus. 
And that's hugely important. And so in, in talking about knowing Christ and talking about First John and talking about having love and light in our life, this is so powerful. It's so significant. And so as we wrap up this series, what we wanted to do is we wanted to take communion together. And so as you walked in the auditorium, maybe you noticed the, the little, uh, jar, little cup of, of grape juice and there's a wafer in there. If you are a follower of Christ and you want to take communion with us this morning, we would we'd welcome that. But if you don't have these communion elements, if you would just slip your hand up in the air, our ushers would be happy to serve you. Because here's one of the things, as we were talking about the series and 1 John and, and confidence, I mean, Christ literally died. He, his body, his blood, this is so amazing. And so I, I was reading just some of, some of the parts about the Last Supper, right? In the Gospels, it talks about the Last Supper. And so the thing that's neat is that we have to understand that they were partaking in the Passover meal, right? And so if you understand what it is to, 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 to take Passover, I mean, Passover is the one time of year. And what it is, it's the, the symbolic ceremony and, and, and dinner uh, where they, it, all, all the elements represent the Israelites being set free from their slavery in Egypt, right? And, and they got rescued from the Lord. And so that's the Passover because God sent 10 plagues that, that the whole country of Egypt encountered. And the final plague, the last one, was the Passover, and what it was is the people of Israel, they would have to put the blood on their doorpost so the angel of death would pass over. And the next morning, the firstborn of every Egyptian, whether a human being or animal, died. And so they're, they're walking through this Passover meal and they're understanding the importance of it. And one of the things that I discovered as I was reading, just to you know, refresh on this, it says in Luke, it says, Jesus he says, he says to the disciples, I was eagerly waiting for this Passover. And I read that and I'm going, but he did lots of Passovers with the disciples right before. He did several out throughout his life. Uh, Jesus was a good Jewish boy. Like he grew up, he understand, understood what Judaism is. And, and, and so it says very clearly, he says, I was eager for this one specifically. And here's why. Because the true meaning of, of Passover, the, the New Testament meaning, that what, what it encompasses for you and I, because you, are, you and I are not Jews. Those of us that follow Jesus, we're Christians. We're Christ followers. And so Jesus had to do this because he was, it was all fulfillment of the Passover. And he said, hey, we're doing this. This one is super important to me because we're establishing a new covenant. And so what he did is, you know, at, at the, towards the end of the meal, he's like, hey, you've got to get this. And if you want to peel the top layer of cellophane, you know, here we have this little wafer, but Jesus had a, a, a loaf of bread. And he said, this, this bread, this is my body that I'm giving for you. And so they were doing the Passover meal and Jesus was saying, I'm the sacrificial lamb. I'm that. I'm the bread. I'm the one that's giving his life for you. And so this should change us. This should wreck us. Because then he, he took the cup of wine and, and he said, this, this is the, the cup of the new covenant. This is, this is my blood that I'm going to spill out for the forgiveness of your sins. And so Jesus was totally flipping the script from Old Testament to New Testament, from Passover to communion for you and I, where every time we take communion, we understand the importance of it and the reality that Jesus 
laid his life down and bled for you and I so that we could have salvation because of his body and, and cleansing and we could, have, we could have forgiveness of our sins because of his blood and belief in him that we might have confidence to experience him like never before. And so what I want to do, I want to pray together. And, and after I pray, I, I want us to take communion together. But right now, I need you to lean in and have a conversation with Jesus. Look him right in the eye and allow the Holy Spirit just to fill your mind, your heart with words that you can say and communicate to him and have confidence because of who he is. And so let's pray together. God Almighty, thank you so much for your word and your scripture. Thank you for your love. We receive your love. We are confident in your love. We have never experienced love like you give. Never experienced it before. And so thank you so much for pouring that out on us. Lord, thank you for your light that gives us guidance. It gives us direction. It gives us uh, an opportunity to see what's happening next. And Lord, you're so generous with those things. And Lord, in the areas in our life where we need your love, where we need your light, would you saturate us with your presence like never before? And Jesus, right now we acknowledge you are God's son, his one and only son. And you are perfect. You are perfect in every single way. And so thank you so much for being that. And thank you for being the spotless lamb. You willingly sacrificed your life. You willingly did that though you had done nothing wrong. And so I appreciate that so much. I didn't deserve it. Lord, we didn't deserve that. And you did it anyway because of your love for us. And so Jesus, we understand your sacrifice. And Jesus, we, we understand the magnitude of your blood and what it represented in the Passover. Uh, we no longer experience death because of you. Uh, we have life. We have forgiveness. We have confidence. And so Jesus, right now, would you give us confidence? Uh, through your Holy Spirit that's inside of us, would you give us the confidence that we long for, that we desire, that we might know and know and know for certain who you are and how you lead us and guide us in every single area. And so God, we honor you. We bless you. In your name we pray. And so take Christ's body that's given for you and Christ's blood for the forgiveness of your sins. In Jesus' name.